And if you remember, our uh, thrust for the summer is uh, relating 1 Corinthians 13 to our verse of the year, where the latter part of the verse of the year says, By this all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And we are convinced that if that's the case, if, if the world we live in has every right to judge whether we are really disciples based upon our love for one another, we better know what love for one another looks like. And so we're focusing in through 1 Corinthians uh, 13. I want to read to you first from Matthew 5, where Jesus said this in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Paul says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says that love is not irritable or resentful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Father, will you, will you help us in these few moments that we have in your word? We are headed toward this great supper in a few minutes. And you've made it clear that this is a, this a family meal. But you've also told us what your family is to act like because of who we are in Christ. And so we pray that you would teach us more of that, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage us in directions that are right and honoring to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So more than once, more than at least twice, because it's, it, it is recorded twice, 
Jesus goes into the temple and he sees abuses going on in the temple. He sees those that are there that are profiting off the sacrificial system. Making wrongful profits off people who have come to worship the true and the living God. He sees people being taken advantage of. And he gets angry. And he gets angry to the point where he turns over tables. Think about this. I mean, I I think we're used to seeing this in in film and thinking about it, but, but, you know, picture how Jesus is. Picture how he is with people. He is that angry that he is throwing tables over, that he takes a cord and makes a whip and whips people out of the temple. Amazing. And yet, he was without sin. How's that work? What about us? We've just read passages warning against anger. What is the difference? And is it possible to get angry without crossing over that line, crossing the line into sin. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love is not irritable or resentful. Let's look at those two, those two phrases. Irritable, the Greek verb there, means to uh, uh, stir someone to anger. Some of your versions may say provoke to anger. So love doesn't do that. Now in the New Testament, one of the ways you can figure out what certain words mean in the New Testament is to look at uh, the various places it's used uh, in, in whatever language, whether it's the New Testament in Greek or the Old Testament in Hebrew. In the New Testament, this word is only used one other place. And this is the verse, Acts 17, 16, says this, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So here is Paul walking around the city. Uh, I know we just went through Acts and we we won't repeat preach that, but, but he's walking around the city, and he's getting more and more stirred up and provoked, same word, but in that case, that being provoked, provoked to anger, caused him to do something good. He engaged the people there. He shared the gospel with them. He didn't just display anger, didn't just shout them down or anything like that. But in 1 Corinthians, this same word 
we are warned not to do it. So how are we going to understand this? Well, understand, first of all, that no one's immune to it. Think back to Moses in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses is known for his humility. And he is leading God's people out in the wilderness. How long was he out there? Forty years, okay? He had been out there about 38 years. And he got to the end of his rope. <laughs> now, I have... I haven't even been a pastor that long, okay? But if people were grumbling as much as he put up with grumbling, I, I, wouldn't, have I wouldn't make it 38 years. So he's out there, and they are continuing to grumble against God, against him, against his leadership, and so on. And Moses is like that mom in the checkout line I've got about one nerve left, and you're about to get on it, okay? And, and they're thirsty. They want water. God tells them, speak to the rock. He whacks the rock in his anger. And it cost him dearly. Everything he had looked forward to in his ministry was cut short, was cut off. He was not allowed to lead God's people into the promised land because of that. Harsh on God's part? God is saying this is nothing to play with. Anger that is not of God is costly. This is serious stuff. And then the other word is love is not resentful. Now some of your versions say love does not keep a record of wrongs. And I think that's a good description of the word there. The idea is like a, a bookkeeper... Um, who uh, keeps very detailed records of things. And so much so that if you say, uh, okay, what, what happened today? What's come in? What's gone out? Uh, you would be able to, the bookkeeper would be able to say, well, this is this gone in, this come out, and so on. And, and not only that, but if you came in and said, okay, well, this time last week, you know, on such and such a date, what, you know, what, give me an account of what took place. And they would be able to flip back the pages and would be able to tell you exactly what took place. Now that's, that's the word that's being used here. And some of you are keeping a book like that. Not so much financially, there's a place for that but you're keeping a book like that in your mind of things that have taken place in the past. And you can, 
you can go back and you can flip back and you can look back and you can remember and you continue to have that record of wrongs against you, against others, whatever it is. And Paul says, that's not love. That's not what love for one another looks like among God's people. Now, some say that uh, we have to forgive and, and forget. And I have to tell you, I don't really subscribe to that. I think it would be great, but I don't, I don't think that last part is really humanly possible in terms of really forgetting. In fact, I don't think God really forgets. Then there'd be something he doesn't know, okay? Even though we want, him, we, we want to say he forgets our sin. But he, he knows of our sin. He remembers it no more in this sense that he never acts on it again. He doesn't keep bringing it up again. And that's what we are to aim for. Not keeping that record, not becoming resentful as we think back to those things. And, and if we have forgiven, not let our mind dwell on those things. So what do we do about it? If either of these are, are an issue for us, well, remember our scripture reading, Ephesians 5, verse uh, 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, the very fact that Paul says, Be angry and sin not, uh, we tend to point back to, to Jesus and uh, his righteous anger in the, in the temple. And I think that's, you know, that's legitimate to think back to that because that's really the only example we have where we know that somebody was angry and they didn't sin. But I was in a discussion about this this week, about this passage, because I was working through it, and so on. And I, I ask the question out loud to myself, out loud in the midst of this discussion, um, or maybe made the statement, I'm not sure I have ever, ever displayed righteous anger. You know, purely righteous. I don't know. Because at best, our motives are mixed. And typically, they're all mixed up with the sin that's in our life. And so here's my conclusion. I, I do think that it is possible to be angry and not sin. Because Paul told us that's what we are to do. Be angry and don't sin. So I think it is possible not to cross over the line if we uh, experience anger. But here's, here's the other part of that, and that is, I'm not sure I should ever describe my anger as righteous anger. You see what I'm saying? The, the minute I determine that my anger is a righteous anger, 
You see what's happened? It's a self-righteousness. And so then you're sinning because, you know, so you can describe others as having a righteous anger. I think that's okay. And you can help them see, no, I think as far as I can see, you're, you know, this is legit and, you know, you're, you're okay. I don't see you crossing over the line and you can help them with that and so on. But be very careful when you start labeling your own anger as righteous anger. I think that's, that's almost a guarantee that you're showing pride, which means it's not righteous. So, with the next aspect, the next word, the resentment, what are we going to do with that? I want to connect that to the table here. And I want to start by reading the words of institution, and you'll see why I think it it does connect. Both of these do. This is what the Apostle Paul said. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now this part. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, this unworthy manner, we acknowledge none of us are worthy, right? Our worthiness comes only in Christ because of what he has done for us. So, without Christ, we can't possibly approach this table in a worthy manner. That has to be established first, trusting in Christ alone for our eternal life. But then, you can actually be a child of the living God. You can be trusting in him alone and have some sin in your life that you're just not ready to give up. That you're you're not willing to repent of, to turn from toward Him. And if that's the case, well, the right response would be to give it up and turn from it and then partake. But if you're unwilling, if if that's going to be an idol in your life that that you're going to pretend like you've given up, but you know you haven't, then it's, it's better not to take because you're making a mockery of what Christ has done on the cross. So we're confronted by it when the, when the elements come by. But there's another area, and that's what I read to you earlier today, and that is in terms of relationships with one another. That it is possible to be unworthy 
because you are being unloving toward another? And that's what Jesus talked about in the, in, in the passage in Matthew 5. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, in other words, if you're going to worship, and this is worship as well, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, Jesus doesn't give the option of giving up worship. He doesn't say, leave your gift and just go away. He says, make things right and then come back and worship. That's the right attitude. And so if we apply that to the the table here, is... What if we have those things between us and, and brothers and sisters in the family? Make things right and then partake. Living with broken relationships is no way to come to the table. It is a dangerous way. Now, this table may be the very thing, though, that prompts you to make things right and to reconcile. A number of you have told us, uh, we who have been preaching through 1 Corinthians 13, how convicting uh, uh, this is, talking about love and so on. And I would just, I would just simply say, you all have it easy. You get it for maybe 30 minutes on Sunday. We who are preaching this have to live with it all week long, okay? Just so you know that. And every week, the Lord is prompting me. He's teaching me in these areas. While I was working on this this very part about not keeping a record of wrongs, uh, resentment, the Lord, the Lord brought to mind some uh, folders that I have uh, in my computer, and they have to do with past relationships with, don't get worried, <laughs> this sounds really bad, past relationships, uh, damaged relationships. Let me explain. Um, you businessmen will understand this. Anytime there are accusations toward you, it's always wise to document what's been said and when things have been said and emails and, and back and forth and that kind of a thing. And particularly in the church, in, in case something's going to come to elders or the session and so on. And... Uh, I know it's, it's almost impossible for you to believe anyone would ever say anything negative about me, but <laughs> anybody that's been a pastor for, you know, more than three decades, it happens, okay? It just happens. And so as I was working through this, the Lord brought that to mind. I hadn't seen any of these folders recently. There's just several. It's not like I got a big, you know, cache of them. <laughs> But there are several, 
And the Lord brought that to my mind. And these are all in, in years past. And they have a person's name on them. Now, here's what's happened through the years. I will, uh, you know, I may be looking for something in my correspondence or something like that, and I'll see one of those folders and almost morbidly, I don't know why, but click on it and just kind of look at, yeah, oh yeah, I remember, oh man. And you know what happens when I, when I click on that and start reading through that? Nothing good. Nothing good happens. My stomach begins to churn like it did when those things were going on. I begin to, to remember, and God has given us an amazing mind to where you can remember details and things that were said and, and that kind of a thing. And when in the past, and I haven't seen any of them in, in, in uh, quite a while, hadn't stumbled onto them, but that's what happens. And so what I did when I got to this this passage is I took them, I didn't look in them, I put them in my trash on the computer. What's it called? Recycle bin. I put it in a recycle bin and I emptied the bin. And it was gone. Now, you know what happened after I got them off my computer? I took a deep breath. It was like, I'm, I'm never going to stumble on those again. Now, might I be tempted to remember what happened? Yeah, I might be. But that's, that's something that has been now removed to where I don't ever have to look at those again. Sometimes when you're coming to the Lord's table, everything can't be fixed before you worship or before you come to the table. Like if you're having marriage problems, you, you know, you've, the table, this can strengthen you. You may not be able to fix everything, but you have to get to it. But as you come to the Lord's table, let me encourage you some of you who are keeping those folders in your mind to delete them. Move them to the recycle bin of your mind. I'm sorry for the <laughs> extended metaphor. But move them there and then, and then empty it. Because you don't need that. And I want you to do that for his glory and for your freedom to enjoy this meal.